Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want to continue the series that I started last Sunday on discovering the will of God. And, uh, you know, last Sunday I said that we're not talking, we're not going to find out how to get the specific will of God, like who do I marry or where do I go to school or what job should I take. And, and we're assuming that obviously the number one desire of God is for everybody to get saved. So I wanted to just talk about those things at the beginning to say we're not focusing on that. But God laid in my spirit to bring to you what I call the big three, three things that I absolutely know that are God's will for you in your life. And last Sunday, we talked about how God's desire and plan and your destiny is for you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's that's what should be happening in you every day, that you are less like you and more like Jesus. So today, we're going to discover God's will number two, if you will, of the three big ones. And uh, and I want to I want to go to Mark chapter twelve, and and you're going to pick up on. It. As a matter of fact, number two and number three are in this text. So this Sunday and next Sunday, I'll be coming back to this same scripture. Mark chapter twelve, verse twenty-eight. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that Jesus had answered them well, asked him, "Which is the first commandment of all?" And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbors, oneself, is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And now when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to question Him. So I want to begin this this morning uh, in a very strange way, but stay with me. I want to make a point. One of the classic horror stories that has been handed down to us from ancient times is that of the werewolf. And and so this concept has been around for centuries. And the legend states that a, a cursed man, you would be put under a curse, that a cursed man would turn into a werewolf. If the moon got full, then he would grow hair and fangs and turn into a werewolf and then terrorize his community. And the beast, legend says, was impervious to bullets, lead bullets. And so the legend said that only a silver bullet could end its life. It took a silver bullet and then that would solve the problem. And the idea of the silver bullet is still around today in the 21st century. It's a concept that, that is used, uh, and, and the simple meaning is it describes a simple solution to a difficult problem. So somebody will say, you know, I think that may be the silver bullet. That, that's what can solve our issue. So we still use that concept today. Now, the reason I start with that whole, that, that whole story right there of that legend is because when I read this story, 
and I look at what this scribe is saying to Jesus, I think this scribe was looking for a religious silver bullet. Now let me explain. The Jews were required, like everybody, to keep the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments. But the Pharisees had added a multitude of man-made rules to God's list. I don't know, I don't have the exact number, but somewhere I've read that there were like over 600 laws in the Old Testament when you put all the man-made laws in there that people had to try to keep up with. And, and I think the scribe, who was very familiar with the law, found it overwhelming. And so it appears that this man wanted Jesus to, to tell him what he thought was the most important commandment out of all of them. I think he wanted the silver bullet. In his mind, he thought, now if I can get the foremost commandment down and keep it, then maybe that will satisfy God concerning all the other commandments. That, that if I'm getting that one, then God will say, well, then that's what matters the most. And, you know, for the rest of them, we won't worry too much. I think he was just looking for a spiritual panacea. And the scribe was essentially asking, what is it that God wants me to do that matters the most to him? What is God's foremost will for my life? Would it, would it be, Jesus, that I'm supposed to have no other gods before the Lord? Would it be that I'm not supposed to use his name in vain? Is, is it do not murder? I mean, which one is it? And, and Jesus replied by quoting the Shema, in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, using it to basically say this, Mr. Scribe, what matters the most to God, what He wants from you more than anything else, is for you to love Him. I don't know if that was the answer the scribe was looking for. I imagine that probably for a moment it shocked him. Because here's the truth, if you love God, if you will just love God, this is what he wanted that scribe to understand, then you won't put any other gods before God. If you love God, you won't take his name in vain. If you love God, it'll, it'll play out in the way you treat. You won't murder somebody. Love will be your motivation. So I came here this morning to say to you, God's will for your life, God's will for your life is for you to love him. Now that word love is uh, agapeo. Some of you have heard agape, love. It's the base word, the root word here. And this word means to love unconditionally. That's what God wants. He wants you to love him unconditionally. It means to love out of choice and not compulsion. God could have made us robots and programmed us where we have to love him. But do you notice he didn't do that? He said, I want you to love me because you want to. I want you to make a decision to love me and care about me. And, and, and then it means that you sacrificially care for and tend to another person with no expectation of anything in return. And I think that's what God wants. God wants us to sacrificially give our lives to him and, and with not, not wanting anything in return, even though he'll give us a lot in return. And I, I think this is fascinating. I think it's incredible that God has to command you to love him. Do you notice that? It's a command. You, you better love me. I, I know that may seem strange, but I think there's a reason why. You may not know if God is lovable at all. You, you may not 
you may not be gung-ho to love him. You might be hesitant to express your love to him because you're not sure if that's even allowed. I mean, he is divine. You are human. He is the creator. You're the created. He is infinite. You're finite. He is pure. Before you got saved, you were sinful. And even after you're saved, sometimes you're carnal. He is perfect. You're not. I'm not. Nobody is. Can you love him? Is it possible? Is it permitted? I came here this morning to tell you absolutely yes. Yes. He can command us to love him because he wants us to know it's okay to love him. 1 John 4.19 simply says we love God because he first loved us. 1 John 4.10 says in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Look, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins out of love for you. And he did it so you could have access to him so that you could then love him. Never doubt God's love for you. The cross is evidence of his eternal love for you. And so this is what I want you to get this morning. His desire, his desire is for you to reciprocate his love. You can love God because he loves you. It is easy to love God. He is lovable. Isn't that great to know about God? He's lovable. <laughs> and I say, how do I love him, Pastor Chris? You love him for who he is. You love him for what he's done for you. You love him through your praise and worship. If, if you joined with, if you were singing with the singers, you were loving on the Lord here this morning. If you raised your hands when I asked you to raise your hands and you were expressing words of, of, of adoration and praise to him, you were loving on him. That's how we love him. You love him through ministry and service to others. You love him with your loyalty. You love him with your faithfulness. And I think it's important that Jesus said he wants you to love with all. Now I'm going to get to what he says. He says four things with all your A, B, C, D. But let's just stop for a minute and realize that he says, I want you to love me with all. Not part, not some, but all. With the totality of your being. With the totality of your life. With the totality of your personality. With everything you are, love me. God doesn't want marginalized love. God doesn't want love with strings attached. God doesn't want conditional love. God doesn't want you to say, well, if God, if you do this for me, then I will love you. God doesn't want reserved love. Listen, if you really want to love Jesus, you must be transparent. You must be vulnerable. I don't know why it, could be so, why it would be so hard to be transparent and vulnerable with God. He already knows everything about you. You know, when you date somebody, or even when you first get married, but especially when you're dating, we put masks up. We try to put the best front up. But, you know, at some point, if, it's, if that relationship's going to go any further, you have to stop dropping the mask, and, and you have to be vulnerable, and you have to be transparent. That's the way it is with God. You've got to be real with God. You have to put yourself out there and trust him. You can't have an exit plan in case things aren't working out too well. That's not how it works. You have to be all in. So he said you got to love God with all. And with all of what? He said, love God with all your heart. In Jewish thought, the heart is the seat of the intellect and the emotions. It is that internal source of your thoughts and your feelings. 
So, Pastor Chris, what does that mean? Well, that means that when you think about him, that's a way to love him. You know, if the, the things that we love, we think about. The people that we love, we think about. Is God on your mind? Does God get on your mind? Not just when you're in trouble and you need him to bail you out, but is just God on your Do you think about him? That's how you love God. Do you, do, do, do you have thoughts about do you, do you have passion for him? Do you get fired up for Jesus? Do you cry? Are there emotions when you're worshiping the Lord and praising the Lord? Do you get excited? That's how you love him, with, with passion and with thoughts about it. And then you love him with all your soul. And this is the spiritual side of love. So you love him when you connect with him spiritually. You say, okay, Pastor Chris, that sounds, I mean, that sounds just kind of obvious. No, it's not. Do you know how many people are saved and the only time they connect with Jesus is on Sunday morning? I mean, you, you ought to be connecting spiritually with him every day of the week, and that's how you love him. When you pursue him, that's how you love him. When you pursue the spiritual things that matter the most to him, that's how you love him. You love him with all your heart, you love him with all your soul, and then you love him with all your mind. And, and I read one person as I was preparing for this message. He said the first one says, love the Lord with all your heart. This one says, love the Lord with all your head. With all your mind. And it's interesting that this one, love the Lord with all your mind, is not in the Shema. Jesus added it because he felt like it was important. And when you're the son of God, you're the only person who can add to what's already in the Bible. And so what does it mean? In the original language, it represents what you reflect on. It constitutes your deeper thoughts. So it takes you beyond the first one where it's just your, your thoughts and your emotions. This is deeper thought. So let me just put it in words that you can understand in our time. I think it represents the love that comes from you adopting his value system. In your mind, this is what you believe is true. This is what is valuable. When you adopt... Uh, his value system is your value system. So it's not just an intellectual acknowledgement, but you say what God says is important, I say is important. What God says is right and wrong in my mind, this is settled in my mind, this is what is right and this is what is wrong. You love him by adhering to a biblical worldview rather than an anti-biblical worldview, which this culture and society is propagating constantly, you have a biblical worldview. That's how you love him. It's when you possess philosophies and ideologies and beliefs that line up with the word of God. Doesn't matter what, what popular culture says. Doesn't matter what society, doesn't matter what legislation gets passed. You say, I'm sorry, if God's word says it, that's this is what I believe, and that's how you love him. Finally, he said, Love the Lord with all your soul or your strength, rather. And this means you love him with your body. Now, this doesn't mean you can just run up to heaven right now and give Jesus a great big hug, though wouldn't that be awesome? But, but I think what it means is that you love him with your body. Your body is his temple. And so I think you love him by how you treat your body. That's an expression of your love. So this means that you love him by taking care of your body. This means that you love him by using your talents, your abilities, your resources, 
your giftedness for the advance of the kingdom of God and to help other people. That's how you love Jesus. Jesus said, if you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Jesus wanted this man and us to realize that loving God is more about relationship than it is about religion. I wrote in, in my Bible, I have notes, and I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring this next Sunday but in a different way for the third point. But, but I, I wrote relationship is greater than religion. And I think that's what this, this guy knew all about religion. He knew all about the Jewish religion. religion. Religion is about law. Religion is about the rules. Religion is about what you do and what you don't do, the do's and the don'ts. And religious people have a tendency to keep God at arm's length. You, you don't see religious people talking about how in, they're having intimate experiences with God and feel close to the Lord. They seem to keep God. And here's the reason why. Religion fosters fear. The Babylonians had a God named Marduk, and they feared him. The Greeks' chief God was Zeus, and they feared him. The Romans' chief God was Jupiter, and they feared him. The Hindus have a God named Shiva, and they fear that God. At Mount Sinai in the Bible, these newly emancipated slaves, the children of Israel, go to Mount Sinai and God comes down with thunders and lightning and, and, and trumpets sounding and they were literally terrified of God because they did not have closeness with the Lord yet. It was just on the surface level for them, religion. And it is common in Christianity for those who are not born again, because you can call yourself a Christian and not be born again. There, there are those who are that, and when they are like that, it, it is religion, uh, very common for them to be afraid of God. So if you're a Christian and you're all into religion, but you're not born again and you don't, have a, you don't really have a relationship with Jesus through, through, by, by grace through faith, you, you're, probably, you're probably someone who lives in fear of God. And you say, Pastor, why would you say that? Because you fear displeasing him. You're afraid that if you don't keep all the rules and the rituals and, and if you don't do everything, that God is going to be displeased and God is going to be punish you and it's going to be punitive action against you and you're terrified of that. And so you keep all the rules and regulations. You, you hope perfectly so that you can appease God and keep Him happy. That's not love. Religion is about law, but relationship is is all about love. In any deep and loving relationship, in every deep and loving relationship, you have three things. You experience three things. Watch this. There is personal connection. Second, there is discovery. And third, there is intimacy. Think about that. There is a personal connection, there is discovery, and then there is intimacy. And when I thought about that, I thought about how that fits in my relationship with God. God longs for more than a superficial, Sunday morning-only relationship with you. Do y'all hear me? His desire is personal connection. He wants to connect with you. God is a personal God, okay? He wants to connect with you. 
and get involved in your life. His, his desire is to do life with you now and for all eternity. And he wants you to get so close to him that constantly you are discovering fresh things about him, new things about him. There's, a, there's an old song that says, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven, my heart overflows. Because the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And that's how, you, when you think you've got figured out, God figured out, you're going to realize you haven't even scratched the surface. You, you will spend eternity and never figure out God. And so when you have this loving relationship with God, he reveals his grace to you, his mercy. He reveals all these wonderful things about him, and then you just love him more for it. He wants to share intimate moments with you constantly and continually, regularly. And, and sometimes we've abused the word intimate, and we've made it a negative thing and a carnal thing. But listen, true intimacy is pure. True intimacy can be holy. True intimacy with God means that you are close with him, that, that, that you, you are open with him. Like I said earlier, you're vulnerable to him, that you just walk with him like Enoch was, and you talk to him about things in your life, and, and, you're, and, and you're transparent, and, and you just you have that understanding that you understand what God said when he said, I shall be their God and they shall be my people and I, and I will be a father to them and they're going to be my sons and my daughters and I will dwell in them and walk among them, says the Lord. That's intimacy. That's personal connection. That's, that's, a, that's an atmosphere for discovery. Now, don't misunderstand me. I know I said that, that, that religion is about laws and do's and don'ts and relationships is about love, but now, now let's get one thing clear, <laughs> all right? There are do's and don'ts with Jesus. Okay, Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? That's what he said. If you love me, keep my commandments. But the point that must be made, and God wants us to realize this, is that you don't keep his commandments to earn brownie points with God. You don't keep his commandments to appease his wrath or, or just... You know, kind of like we say, boy, if, ma if mama's happy, everybody's happy. If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Y'all heard that at home? Okay, you don't want to go to God saying, well, as long as I can keep God happy, then everything will be all right. That's not how it works. Listen, you obey his word. You do the right thing. You, you make sure you don't do the wrong thing. When he urges you and speaks to you to do something, you do it. You say it. Why? Because you love him. Love is compelling him. You, you want to please him. You don't want to appease him. You want to please him. If you need a one-liner from this sermon, get that one. I don't love him to appease him. I love him to please. I don't serve him to appease him. I don't obey him to appease him. I love him and serve him and obey him to please him. And I please him because I love him so much, I don't want anything to hinder my relationship with him. Sin will hinder my relationship. Disobedience will disrupt my relationship. I don't want that to happen. I love him too much. So let me just ask you this morning as I come to a close. Singers, if you could come, please. How is your relationship with the Lord? I'm not asking you whether you're saved or not. No, I'm talking about your right now relationship with Jesus. I think the Lord laid this message in my heart and to do this series so that the beginning of 2022, we could do some soul searching. All of us need to do some soul searching. How's my relationship with God? 
Am I, am I kind of holding him off at arm's length? Do we, do we see each other once a week on Sunday morning when you're here? If you're not here, you don't even see him then. Um, am I close to him? Do I spend time with him? Do I talk to him? Do I, do I have this, this reverence? Because in Christianity, we have we we don't have a we have what's called a holy fear. Religion's all about just terrified of God. We don't have a terrifying feeling of towards God. We have a reverence for God. And I just think it's awesome that I can I can know that God is God, the divine being, the righteous judge. I can understand who he is, but at the same time, without being flippant or shallow, I can run into his presence like a little kid running into the CEO's office and nobody's gonna stop it. Because that's my daddy. He is Papa God. That's intimacy. When you could call him Papa God, when you can move past our dear and kind, most gracious Heavenly Father God and move into Papa God, you're starting to love him and get intimate with him. Do you see him as far away and unapproachable? Is that, is that how he is to you? Or do you see him as a God who is near to you, right beside you, living inside of you, that he's accessible? How do you see him? Because my challenge is 2022. Let's all grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. Let's, let's strive for greater personal connection. Let's strive to discover him more than we've ever known him before. Let's, let's strive to be intimate with him. You come out of that prayer closet or that time where you've been playing a Christian song and the Lord's touched you, the Spirit of God's touched you, and you come out of that saying, man, nothing in this world can even come close to matching what I just experienced in my time with the Lord. Oh, I feel His presence. I feel Him right now. I don't know if y'all feel I feel the Lord. I want you to pray with me. Right there at home on this, I guess, snowy Sunday morning. Y'all probably figured out we're, we're taping this. We're not at the church, so we're, we're taping this. But but whatever the weather and you're inside, it's freezing cold, the wind's blowing. Whew, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Right now, the wind of God can blow in your house. The wind of God can blow over your soul. I, I feel the Holy Ghost moving. Woo! Shut up, Thank you, Holy Spirit, for praying through me right then. Hallelujah. It may be cold outside, but you can feel the heat and the warmth of His presence right now. He can be real to you. You can have a, you can have a powerful moment sitting on your couch. If you're laying in bed with your iPad or your laptop, you're watching this, or you're on your phone, whatever, God can touch you right now. I want you to join with me right now and pray with fire. I, husband, wife, if the family, the kids are, just, y'all start praying with me right now. Turn your, turn wherever you are into a sanctuary. Come on, join with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, help us in 2022 to get closer to you. Come on, y'all pray with me. Pray that. Lord, help me in 2022 to be closer to you than I've ever been. I pray that my, my relationship with you will be deeper. I pray, God, that I'll experience you like I've never experienced you before. Lord, we just fasted last week, and maybe it's already started, but God, as I get out of this month into the next month and, and through this summer, and then we get to the end of the If we get there, God, you may come before then. But, Lord, I just pray that this revival of intimacy and personal connection and, and, and spiritual discovery 
will characterize all of our lives and God will be will, will go places in you we never could imagine and Lord there'll be life change and transformation because I think God as we get that intimacy <laughs> whoo, and as we have that those those moments with you I think that's when you transform us into the image of your son I think all of these connect together so thank you Jesus for what you're gonna do Thank you for what you're doing right now as people are crying or feeling the tingled touch of the Holy Ghost on the back of their neck or on the hair stem. Woo, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God, as they feel your touch, hallelujah. We thank you, God, that he, you can be touched and we can touch you and you in turn will touch us. Woo, lay your hand upon us, God, and let us feel your divine presence in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.